Well, good morning, everyone. It's lovely to be here. I'd like to thank Diana and uh, everyone from the YCP team who invited me to speak today. For those of you who don't know me, yes, my name is David Bates, and I have a bachelor's degree in computer science from the University of Southampton. And I've worked for small startups, as well as large companies like IBM and KPMG. And I'm currently working for autoanything.com, which is in Claremont Mesa. Um, I'm a senior software engineer there. So if you would like an amazing deal on car parts, speak to me afterwards. <laughs> but I would be remiss if I didn't further plug my blog, restlesspilgrim.net. There I write about scripture, church history, apologetics, and also occasionally when I'm in the mood, Catholic dating. <laughs> And I also run a podcast. My main one is The Eagle and Child, where together with Matt Bush, each week we talk through a chapter of a work by C.S. Lewis, the famous Christian author and the writer behind the Chronicles of Narnia. I am originally from England, but I moved to the States about 10 years ago now. And uh, in addition to understanding the sport of cricket, one of the advantages of having your formative years in England is you end up with this delightful accent. But the downside is I'm not always easy to understand, and I have found that sometimes Americans just stop listening to what I'm saying and simply enjoy the pretty sounds coming out of my face. <laughs> so if at any point over the course of this talk you don't understand what I'm saying, just wave at me and I'll have another go at trying to translate what I'm saying into American. But I'm very excited to be with you this morning and to share a message that has been on my heart for a long time. My goal today is that by the end of this talk, you'll have a deeper gratitude for all of the gifts that God has given you and a renewed enthusiasm to go out into the world and to put all of these excellent skills to work. But let's begin in prayer. And I'd like to begin with a prayer from a 19th century English convert to Catholicism, Blessed Cardinal Henry Newman. So if you'll please join me. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God has created me to do him some definite service. He has committed some work to me which he has not committed to another. I have a mission. I may never know it in this life, but I should be told it in the next. I am a link in a chain, a bond of connection between persons. He has not created me for naught. I shall do good. I shall do his work. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Joseph pray for us. I first came across YCP, Young Catholic Professionals, when I was in Denver for work on a work trip. And since that day, I've come across chapters all across the states. And I was delighted to find out that there was a chapter being launched here in San Diego, literally a couple of days before I was returning. After I spent a couple of years away in Seattle. And at all of the different YCP events that I've attended, I've heard many excellent presentations, but I did notice something. By and large, most of the talks try to address this question. How does my faith influence my work? What does my job, what does my career look like when it's informed by my faith? And this is an excellent question and worthy of much exploration and discussion. However, in the few minutes that I've been given to speak to you, I want to look at the question in reverse. How does my work influence my faith? 
What does my faith life look like when it's informed by my career? But before we begin to address that question, I'd like to tell you about something that I've seen and heard again and again throughout my years as an adult Catholic. I've met people who really love their Catholic faith, but when it comes to expressing their faith, they're kind of at a loss as to how they contribute, how they can contribute to their local parish. They say things like, I don't play a musical instrument and I'm not a very good singer, so I can't be in the choir or music group. I'm not especially good at reading, so I can't be a lector. And I'm more of the shy, introverted type. I don't really want to be up in front of people, so I don't think I'd be a very good altar server or usher. Now, first, let me say that it is a wonderful thing when people get involved in those standard public lay ministries. And it's a very powerful witness for people to see young adults involved at mass in this way. However, there are many, many other ways in which people can, can serve Jesus, in which they can support his church, and in which they can build the kingdom. When I first moved to San Diego, I can't believe it's 10 years now, I was amazed to see how vibrant and, and full Catholic life was here, particularly among the young adults. You know, we were never short of anything to do. It was almost like there was something to do every night. And if you've lived here for more than a few years, you'll no doubt come across uh, Carrie Giebel, or Carrie O'Loughlin as she is now. She was the diocesan young adult coordinator before Patrick. And I worked with Carrie quite a lot, and I paid attention to how she operated. As newcomers became established within our community, she would always ask them, what are your passions? What is it that you really love to do? And someone might reply, I don't know, uh, I'm, I'm a rock climbing instructor, so I like that. And Carrie would then always invite them, say, if they're amenable, that she might put an event on the calendar one weekend. She said that she was sure that other Catholics around the diocese would love to join him in a climb. And this reminds me of a quotation by Gil Bailey. He said, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and do that because what the world needs is people who have come alive. And the way Carrie operated, it really impacted me. I saw what she was doing. She was taking an existing passion that somebody had and then transforming it into a ministry. And I saw her do this with all different kinds of hobbies and professions. My financial advisor, he would come and give talks to people about budgeting. You, it was dangerous being around Carrie if you had any skills whatsoever. She would put them to use. And at events like this, this might be the first time that somebody actually comes into contact with Catholics. Because it's much easier to invite your non-Catholic friends to a morning of rock climbing than to mass. And events like this also had a habit of pulling people in, drawing people in from the periphery of a parish. Now that they had found an event that and an activity to which at last they could really relate. And also, it was at events like this where acquaintanceships were transformed into friendships. Have any of you here heard of Bill Hybels? No? He's the founder of the Willow Creek Community Church. It's in Illinois. He started it from scratch, and today it boasts 24,000 members. Huge. And I remember a while back hearing a talk he gave, and he said that, in the early days of his church, 
one of his parishioners came to him and said the sort of things that I was talking about earlier. You know, he wanted to serve the church, but he didn't think he had any church-appropriate skills that he, could, uh, that he could enact. And so Bill asked him, what do you love to do? What are your passions? What do you love? What do you think you're good at? And the guy thought for a moment and he said, well, I really enjoy building stuff in my garage. Bill said, I'll get back to you. And then a couple of weeks later, he phoned him up and said that, hey, if I gave you a budget, would you be able to build us a new lectern? Because the lectern we've currently got is falling apart. It's, it's not standing the enthusiastic preaching that I do every Sunday. And so this guy, he built, the, he built the pulpit, and it was a beauty. And I remember Pastor Bill ending the talk by saying, that same man is now on our architectural team. They're designing our new worship center at our church campus. Bill started out by asking about a man's passions and then set about directing them into service of the kingdom. And when I look at parishes here in San Diego, I just see so much untapped potential. Every parish is packed full of people who are immensely talented. And they're employed for 40 hours a week, or sometimes more, for any of you who are CPAs, my condolences as we approach the tax season. You can, you can, you can sleep in May. But you spend all of this time in your career and investing in your career and honing your craft, whatever that might be. And really the invitation in this talk is to consider all the skills that God has given you and especially those skills that you've developed in your career and find ways to take those skills, take that competence and apply it to your faith. All that enthusiasm from your job to thinking as to how you might apply all that you have to the service of the church and the kingdom. And this is summed up in Frederick Buchner's quotation. He says, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness, where all of your passions and skills lie, and where the world's deep hunger and where the two meet. So how do we go about this? Well, I think the first step is to discern and recognize the gifts that you have. And some people find this really difficult. And so I would suggest by beginning with your job, write down what are the skills that you have developed in your job? What are you really good at there? And there are also questionnaires online that allow you to discover your core competencies. Obviously, take things to prayer, spend some time in adoration, asking the Lord what gifts he's given you and asking the Holy Spirit to show you. And finally, ask your friends and your coworkers. Ask them what they think your best skills are. Where do you really shine? And be prepared for some surprises in their answers. And perhaps even some answers that you're not very happy with. And I say that because I think we all have a tendency to want the gifts that God didn't give us. In 1 Corinthians 12, St. Paul speaks about all of the gifts of the Spirit. He speaks about all of the different ministries of the church. And he speaks about miracles, prophecy, healing. But as you're reading through those lists, there's another one snuck in there. St. Paul talks about the gift of administration. <laughs> Exciting, right? I mean, if you were given the choice, would you want to raise the dead or organize a bake sale really well? Now, back in England, I belonged to a Protestant church for a few years. And because it was a charismatic church, as a, as a community, as a church, regularly praying for God to pour out his spirit on us, and especially the gifts and 
the exciting gifts. We wanted to hear tongues, hear prophecy, see people healed. But even while I was at that church, I started praying for the gift of administration for our church. I was praying for this because I saw that this was really where the need lay. I saw that if we had more people quietly working behind the scenes efficiently and well, our church could be so much more effective and make such an impact, such a greater impact to our town. And think, how many times have you heard stories of a CEO or somebody coming into a company, shaking things up a little bit and solving one particular problem within that company's organization, within that administration? And this is the thing that allows that company to flourish. Organization is what makes the difference between a rabble and an army. And one of the reasons that the Roman army in antiquity was so effective was because of their organization, because they had people doing administration and logistics, you know, getting somebody a tent for the night, getting food to the soldiers. It was administration and organization that made the difference in the Roman army. And honestly, today, we should see the same thing in the Roman church. Our parishes are full of so many excellent administrators, team leaders, event coordinators. If these men and women took their talents and applied them to the church, our mission, and the church lives for mission, this is why we exist, our mission would be so much more effective. And I know I'm kind of laboring this point, but I've so often heard people belittle the skills they've had and the skills with which God has blessed them. And they seem to think that Jesus can only use them if they go and do a degree in theology or want to go and do open-air preaching. But there are no unimportant gifts when the gifts are given by God. Make peace with it. <laughs> Don't desire the gifts of others. Desire more gifts, but realize that God can use anything that he's given you. God can use all gifts to save souls, even the gift of administration. So, Step one, we've done some discernment. We've, we've prayed, we've asked people, we've done some questionnaires. We now see what our, what our gifts and skills are. Now what? Well, now's the point when we look at how we can apply our talents outside of the work context. And this is what I like to call entrepreneurial faith. Because what does it mean to be an entrepreneur? An entrepreneur is someone who is always remaining alert always looking for opportunities and keeping an eye out for problems. And when they encounter them, they solve them. An entrepreneur isn't afraid to get creative, to step out and do something new. So what does it mean when we take this entrepreneurial spirit, which is encouraged so much in the business world, and then move it over to the faith world? To be an entrepreneurial Christian, to have entrepreneurial faith, it means that you are always keeping your eyes open looking for unmet needs in your diocese and actively thinking what can be done to bring more vitality to your parish and to bring more non-Christians to the church. Let me just think, do you see an unmet need in your parish? I mean, after all, your priests can't do everything. Do you see people slipping through the cracks in the diocese? I mean, we have a fantastic diocesan young adult team, but they can't be everywhere. When you see an issue in the church, do you automatically assume that it's somebody else's job? Because maybe God is calling you to deal with it, you to address it. Or maybe he's calling you to encourage your friend to accept the challenge. 
We don't encourage each other enough to step out in ministry. We should do that more. We need to see this as part of our tithe. You know, it trips off the tongue. We talk about our time, talent, and treasure. But honestly, I think we only really think about that last one. We only really think about our treasure. We don't think enough about our time and our talents. A man with entrepreneurial faith doesn't complain that there aren't men's ministries and men's group in his areas. He sets out and starts one. And he isn't afraid to forge his own path. That's a subtle suggestion for you men. We need more men's groups. And I'd now like to give you just a bunch of different examples of the kind of entrepreneurial faith I'm talking about. A few years ago, a couple of young adults in this diocese wanted to do something for the homeless who lived downtown. So they got together, they started making meals, and started delivering them to people who were sleeping on the streets. Other young adults saw what they were doing and joined in. Before long, they had set up a forum, they'd set up a, a common account that people could donate to. They'd formed teams for people to make the meals and pack the meals and deliver the meals and sort out the clothing. They didn't wait for anybody to tell them to do this. They saw a need, they felt God calling them to it, and so they just put their skills to work. Last year, one of my friends, she was going through RCIA. She was converting from a non-denominational church into the Catholic church. And as she was going through this process, she noticed that the parish she belonged to didn't have a young adult Bible study. And this was something that she had been used to in her old denomination, and she wanted again. So even before she'd entered the church, she was starting to talk about setting up a Bible study. And within a couple of months of her entering the church, her parish now has a thriving Bible study. Nobody told her to do this. She saw a need and got to work. I have always enjoyed the works of C.S. Lewis. But last year, I said on Facebook that I really wanted to dive deeper. And I had lots of messages from people saying that they wanted in. So I set up a book group. We meet once a month to discuss some work of C.S. Lewis. And I also got messages from people who are actually outside of San Diego. And they asked if there was any way that they could be involved. So I took my IT skills from my work and set up a podcast so these people could participate virtually. And I could give so many more examples. Someone with a background in finance could set up online giving in their parish. A graphic designer could give a church bulletin a long overdue rejuvenation. No more clip art from the 90s. <laughs> if someone has an IT background, they could maintain the long neglected website. Or maybe just help out the pastor when they're shopping around looking at companies to help build a new website. Teachers can catechize. Organizers can organize. And this is something that Protestants are great at doing. They're really good at tapping into this stuff. I mean, the congregation I was part of, this was just so great because there was a massive emphasis on the fact that everybody here is a minister. God has given to every single person gifts and God is expecting every single person to use them. So it's not a question of, do I serve? But how do I serve? Now, I don't want this talk to be misinterpreted and seen as an invitation to rise up and throw off our clergy oppressors. Absolutely not. We are called to work with them. And your pastor wants your congregation to have entrepreneurial faith 
After all, he's just one man with one pair of hands. And as far as we can tell, one outfit. I mean, does he only have one shirt? <laughs> I've always wanted to ask that. So if you see a need, go and talk to your priest. Tell him the need that you're seeing, what God has placed on your heart. Tell him about your, your skills and talk to him about the solution that you have in mind. Effectively, come up with a business proposal. Because if you're coming to him with a problem and a solution, he's going to love you for it. And tell him what you're hoping to receive from him. I'm not even really talking about money here. He's your, he's your pastor. He is best placed to point you in the direction of people who can help you on your mission or advise you. If nothing else, seek his blessing. And this is the kind of response that was called for by the Second Vatican Council, for the entire people of God to build the kingdom. And if the laity are really pulling their weight, it frees up their priests to be priests, to celebrate the sacraments and to shepherd their flock. I'm just about out of time. So in the final few minutes, allow me to sum up. Every single person in this room has gifts, talents, and passions. Every single one. And you forge many of these skills in your day-to-day -day professional careers. So in a quiet moment that you have today, spend some time considering what these strengths are. Pray about them. Ask your friends where they think you shine and write these skills down. And then go to the Lord and ask him, where can you put these to the service of the kingdom? Now you might want to start small, but I would still encourage you to dream big. In the coming weeks and months, foster an entrepreneurial spirit. Stay on the lookout for where you can apply your gifts, your talents, your skills. Look for the opportunities to be seized. Look for the problems to solve. And in the words of Saint Pope John Paul II, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to be an entrepreneur. Do not be afraid to do something that nobody has ever done before. Because that is how you change the world. Let's just end in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Giver of every good gift, Father, we thank you for this time together. I pray that you'll send your spirit among everyone here, including myself, to give us a renewed appreciation of all that you've given us. Give us eyes to see where we can use these gifts. Help us to apply what we've learned to build your kingdom here on earth and to bring glory to your name. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.